Hello and welcome to the podcast of Power, a Shira and the Princesses of Power companion podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nero. And I'm the other host, Jaane. And uh, welcome to the season two finale, functionally. Um, not that you'd really know it from watching the episode, because it's it's not really much of a finale at all. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not good. In fact, I would say this is probably one of the best episodes of the whole show, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Easily one of the funniest, like, by far. Yeah, this episode... Like, Roll With It was the meta joke episode, but this, I think, is the funnier one, um, simply because the, the humor is much more characterful and less reliant on meta jokes and, and such. Yeah, like, so the whole bit of Roll With It, right, is that it's, like, a funny D&D game and everyone kind of has, like, a little moment, but it's, like, a super inconsequential episode and nothing particularly plot important happens and there's no real character exploration like you could just skip watching that episode entirely and you would miss absolutely nothing uh reunion on the other hand it has like it has like some pretty important plot critical elements to it but like more importantly um it introduces us to an entirely new way to see um our good friend Bo, um who up to this point um both the audience and as it turns out uh glimmer and adora just don't have a very clear picture of um as far as like his personal life and kind of internal situation goes yeah he's apparently been very private about his personal life which is fine like you're allowed to do that but as a result glimmer doesn't really know anything about him and when he up and vanishes one day with just a note that says i'm fine don't follow me she of course gets immediately extremely suspicious and follows him uh before that though we should probably talk about the cold open where it's revealed that Adora sleeps with a knife under her pillow. Yes. So, like, uh, this is after Bo has, like, disappeared. Um, Glimmer just appears to her. It's, it's actually really funny. It's like this serene morning, like, early morning. The sun is streaming through the window. Like, you, you might as well be playing that one, that one song, you know? Like, that one very specific, like, classical music song that always plays. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one. Um, and and then Glimmer just shows up, rips the blanket off of her, and is like, wake up! And she just pops up with a dagger, like, drawn, ready to go. She's, uh... Listen, Adora's... Adora's always prepared. Adora is maybe funnier in this episode than she is in Whiteout, which is saying something, because she's very funny in that episode. Yeah, well, it's, like, different kinds of funny, right? Like, there's a difference between, like, I'm, like, really drunk and, like, not entirely self-aware right now kind of situations. Like, that's a different kind of funny to, like, her just being kind of a, kind of a dumbass. She's not the brightest we'll get to it because this episode has my favorite running gag in the whole show but yeah we will we'll go at this mostly chronologically i think because ultimately most of it is spent in the library with very very brief stops over in the fright zone to catch us up on catra's plot line after shadow weaver's escape so i guess i'll just start with the the big revelation of the beginning of the episode bo's a nerd Bo's a big fucking nerd. He's like, they when they get to the library, right? Like they 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 approach it, and it's like this mysterious, maybe like a temple or something in the woods. No one's ever seen it before. They they teleport inside. They're like, have you ever heard of a library in the Whispering Woods? No, what? You know, like they have no idea what's going on. And Bo comes in. And he's carrying a stack of gigantic books and papers. And an, an absolutely shocking, horrible revelation is, is revealed uh, to Glimmer and Adora. And that is that Bo is wearing a shirt that's tucked into a belt. It's nightmarish. Glimmer literally starts crying at the sight of it. She's like, <laughs> what did they do to you? And like turns around and weeps. What did they do to our boy? 
It's like she. What did they do to our boy? It's like she got there and someone had like sliced his eye out or something. God, I'm really they 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 took him they took an integral piece of him away. And yeah, real quick, I just want to shout out the shout out the storyboard team for this episode because as I said, this episode looks really good. Um, like just all around. Everyone, the, the, everyone is looking great. Kind of angular, kind of. It's it's a very anime esque episode in terms of the like comedic timing, and even later uh, at the end when Catcher's in the suffocation rhombus again, the way her hair floats and the way Hordak's cape is is fluttering is very anime to me. It is. It is. Um, but yeah, the and the and the faces as well. Like the expressions in this episode are spot on amazing like you could you could pause on just about every frame of dialogue and get like uh, a fun little treat it is it's a wonderful wonderful episode and that is thanks to the talents of jasmine goggins mickey quinn and jessica zamet and uh, mickey quinn is actually a fairly familiar name because uh they've also done a lot of the other episodes we've pointed out like really good uh work on expressions and stuff like that i'm almost certain she was on um because i know i know her she she talks about a lot because she's like the main catcher door person on the storyboard team i think i'm almost certain she was on promise uh, at the very least and probably princess prom like anytime there's a lot of catcher content or a lot of catcher door content you can she's probably in the storyboard credits very true. I, I believe that's correct. I believe she was on both of those. Um, but yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the the sort of central show-off characters of this episode uh, being Bo's dads, Lance and George. Um, and for a while, I, could, I kept forgetting which one was which, but, you know, Lance is the one with the sandals and George is the one with the mustache. Yes, and they're they're great uh they're 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 amazing it's there's like a really fun uh dynamic they have where like lance is largely like uh very bubbly like a not very serious person a very energetic he's uh like doting and he's like uh can i get can i get you guys snacks can i can i do this can i do that like he's kind of just running around everywhere um and George is, like, a lot more reserved, a lot more serious and whatever. But, like, the, the trick of it is, and this is very funny, um, George loves miserable puns. He just makes awful, awful puns, um, which Lance is just always, uh, Lance is just cringing at. He's like, oh, oh, that wasn't a good one. Yeah, over the course of the episode, we see plenty of, of sources of where Bo sort of gets all his stuff from. His love of puns obviously comes from George, and like his enthusiasm from Lance. And like, there's the Lance at one point says best research squad. It's all, it's all, it's all coming together. We're all, we're getting a better picture of of Bo in this episode, and the uh, George and Lance are interesting um also from a representational perspective because like this it's i always say that Shira is a very just sort of ambiently gay show yeah and so this just like this is just a fact about the world and absolutely no one comments on it it's just normal yeah it's just a completely normal thing for Bo to have two dads like it's not brought up it's not like addressed in any way that's like this is abnormal or whatever it's just a completely like common occurrence and it's kind of nice frankly and that's doubly fascinating because kind of what the main uh, emotional thrust of this episode is, is that it's kind of basically a coming out episode except the show is already gay so they have to put something else that Bo is coming out as so he's coming out as a jock yeah, it's like on its on its face it's an incredibly funny setup. It's like dad, dad, I'm sorry, but I'm not a nerd, not a nerd like you. And it's it, it's a very very funny setup for like what is, you know, a very clear like coming out metaphor and it ends up working out um it's working out really well. It's just it's a very very funny setup. Yeah, it's just it's just a very funny idea of just like, listen, I like, I like doing flips and shooting arrows and making like iPads. 
I don't really like reading books or translating old runes. I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not a nerd. And the thing about it, right, is also like the the way in which the the like coming out story is kind of being navigated is interesting because it's not like a like his parents aren't necessarily like disapproving. It's like it's just interesting and again like fairly real world dynamic of parents that believe that they're trying to be supportive but the way in which they're being supportive is that they like have kind of predetermined what they think your interests are and what they think you should kind of be and do with your life and and that sort of thing so like it brings up this this interesting dynamic that isn't talked about a lot of the times in like coming out stories where it's like you know it is a nominally supportive household but it is one in which you know the kid doesn't feel like comfortable um talking about themselves like in any like they 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 feel like they have to fit the mold that has kind of been provided to them because they don't feel like they're listened to um when they try to explain that the mold isn't for them it's like it's you know lance and george aren't like trying to do this they are doing it completely inadvertently and it's it's just an interesting dynamic that you don't see kind of brought up a lot of the times like usually when you do like a like a coming out story in a show like this typically what it is is like the 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 kid will be like lying to the the parents or whatever and then at the end of the episode like they'll the 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 secrets out or whatever and they have to talk it out and the parents are like you you know you never had to lie to us or whatever and you know actually we were really supportive the whole time and you just you just misunderstood um or whatever but like it kind of goes close to that direction with this but instead of it being like you know you were just misunderstanding the whole time it's more of a like like they acknowledge that like what they did was still kind of like a huge up but like it wasn't them inherently being unsupportive like do you you know what i mean i get what you mean and you know to be fair there are some things like he he meant bo mentions that like if if lance knew i didn't want to be a historian would kill him and george repeatedly states that he like doesn't like the rebellion and doesn't like warriors and fighters because of his past with the first princess alliance so they aren't they aren't unsupportive but also there are like signs that would sort of make him reticent to say anything um and like they are they are they are not necessarily understanding uh that their actions and their words are making him uncomfortable because he never expressed it um and just sort of instead went along with it and also created completely insane fake uh realities to tell them about such as the fact that he goes to a school across the planet yeah he goes to a school across the planet which not only does not exist but he specifically says that adora and glimmer are his um like classmates at and uh glimmer is a physics major and adora is an art major which of course because adora is adora ends up mutating into a quadruple art art history history and linguistics major yeah let's talk a little bit about adora uh in this episode so she has this thing that we alluded to in our intro where as soon as she realizes what the cover is and she's like all right i got it i'm supposed to be from like a fancy smart person school she just starts pronouncing things very weirdly yeah so i'm not i i have no imaginable idea where she got the impression that smart people talk like this but she just starts saying things with like an e at the end like academy my personal favorite is historians yes historians like what is that what are you doing stop that um she's and and the thing the thing to bear in mind also this is really critical is that she's gesticulating every time she does it like she's like flailing her hands around in like fancy poses i have no idea where she picked this up but it's incredible i wonder how much of it is amy carrero uh ad-libbing as well 
I hope it's mostly that because it's very funny to me to imagine like them going back and being like, okay, 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 we need to like really ham it up with her hand performance. Yeah, and she's got she's great in this episode. Adora is like maybe the standout in terms of comedy. Um, even after the the sort of the ruse falls away, there's this incredibly good scream when she gets yeeted across the room by the big bug. She's like, don't worry, I got this. And she just gets launched like a Super Smash Brothers character and just has this incredible scream as she slams into a wall. Oh, yeah, no, it's amazing. Like, it, it is like, it's like a real scream. Like, it's amazing. I'm going to see if I can put it in uh, the episode if I can find it. For the honor of Grayskull! Don't worry, I got this. <laughs> but yes, uh... The, so the the main sort of plot, if you can really call it that, is that they are trying to figure out what this message that Bo's tracker pad intercepted is the Serenia Portal Mara thing from the last episode. Yeah, Portal of Mara is fairly straightforward, but Serenia, who knows what that means? Yeah, and so they uh, George and Lance, you know, kind of give them all this stuff they have on Serenia, who is apparently some kind of. Um, folk hero uh, mythical folk hero from the first ones who is it george or lance who thinks she's real i think it's lance who yeah lance lance thinks she's real and george like kind of ribs at him for that and then lance ribs at him back like oh and you think this really old vase is only a thousand years old yeah their dynamic is very cute as we said and also it's like it's very heartfelt they they really just do feel like they're they're a couple of dads or a couple of married dads um yeah there's that line I really like where Lance is like, and if you're lucky, it can take you a whole lifetime. And and George is like, oh, you're so corny. It's it's so good. They re- like they they got the characterization really good on them. Like they do actually feel like an old married couple. Like not in the sense that they're like arguing or bickering or whatever, but just in the sense that they're incredibly familiar. And this is just like you know they're they're each other's best friends, and it's 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 really cute. It's really nice. And uh, there's also a lot of history jokes in this episode. So one thing that stood out to me upon rewatching is the part where they dump all the scrolls and they're reading them. And Adora is like, well, this one's just about aqueduct, so jot that down. Um, because a lot of the most well-preserved ancient texts are just like tax stuff and ledgers about shops. Because those are the most well-kept ones. Like, those are the ones that people organized and stored away. So obviously yeah. there would just be some random scroll about aqueduct construction in their collection. Because that's the only thing that was preserved. Yeah, right? Like, that's... It always ends up being the thing, right? Is, like, uh, construction ledgers and, like, anything anything where money has to be tracked specifically. Or, like like, civil planning. That stuff is... That stuff's always the stuff that gets archived. Can't swing a dead cat in Uruk without like hitting forty-five ledgers about how many goats someone bought last Thursday. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, there's also the bit about when they find out Adora can read first one's writing. George immediately asks her to read his tattoo, which says "lunch" when he thought it said "love," and that's just an amazing joke about people getting tattoos of like foreign alphabets that are actually completely meaningless yeah now that joke is that joke is really 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 good to me because it's not just oh i got a tattoo that says lunch on it when i thought it said love lance was in on it he knew because as soon as he's like i thought it said love he just cracks up and he's like you thought it said love the whole time like lance I bet you, I bet you Lance was like, like, like George was like, oh, I'm going to get this tattoo and it's, and it's going to say, it's going to say love and it's, it's going to be like really meaningful and everything. And Lance is just trying so hard not to laugh. And he's just like, yep, that's really great, honey. You, that'd be really good. You should go do it. (laughs) The long game, the prestige. The prestige really got him with that one. And there's just like there's this bit where Lance's like, we actually think it's her raw, and and the door's <laughs> like, oh, that's not right at all. Um, she fought for the power of Grayskull, 
And she's like, well, hang on a minute. It's actually for the honor of Grayskull. And those are both uh, pretty obvious He-Man jokes, but they're very funny. Like, that's just sort of misinterpretations of historic translations that kind of just get passed down. It's like, well, obviously, it's probably closer to her Ra, obviously. And also, she had a dragon. Yeah, the dragon thing is also very funny because Adora just, like, immediately jumps to the vase where it's painted on. She's like, what? I, what? When do I get a dragon? Why do I have a dragon? I mean, grateful, Adora. You have a cool flying horse who can talk. You don't need a dragon. Yeah, you have a cool flying, like, communist horse who can talk. Like, is a dragon going to be as cool as that? No. Um, and as it sort of goes on, this tour, uh, like we said, the, the main sort of emotional crux is Glimmer and Bo kind of talking this out glimmer now feels like she doesn't actually know him at all because his, yeah. his dad's don't know him. he's like oh Bo, he he's terribly afraid of pirates and loves to play librarian um and she's like do i don't even know you anymore man do you hate pirates yeah like it's actually kind of like i i think it's like a really well done scene like emotionally like they they do a good job with the performance like vocally and visually and like this is not really the first time that like glimmer has like a moment like this with Bo because like obviously like their friendship very specifically is like incredibly important to her and you know in in this episode it's kind of revealed that as much as like Bo is glimmer's like really main friend like the the main friend that she's had basically forever um just as equally like glimmer has been that for Bo, and like glimmer feeling like Bo wouldn't share any of his life with her is like you know and she, she even goes on she says like you know i always assumed it was because you had like a really dark and like awful past that you know was just really painful to bring up and everything and then it turns out that actually the issue was that you were embarrassed and you didn't in and you were you know you didn't want to share this with me and she feels really hurt by it and then Bo just you know he kind of has to explain it's it's less that it's like that and more that like it's not he doesn't like talking about it because it is really painful for him because like he doesn't feel like he can be truthful or honest uh with his dads he doesn't feel like he can be an authentic person around them and you know, he doesn't want to bring, you know, Glimmer or Adora or any of his, his, his other friends really into the into the picture because, of course, all of them are associated with the Princess Rebellion. Right. And, and like, yeah, Glimmer in this episode is really good as, as the sort of emotional anchor while Adora is just off being extremely goofy, uh, which is good because, like, Adora deserves a little bit of time off from being the emotional center for a little bit sometimes she just deserves to be the wacky lady who says things really weird sometimes yeah it's 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 she needs a break all right the girl needs a break sometimes um we should mention also another thing we learned about Bo is that he has 13 brothers yeah well he has 12 brothers okay. he's the last of 13 and Apparently they're all Oof, historians hey. as well. Like they're they are every single one of them all historians. Yeah. Hey Lance and George, that's a lot of kids. That's, that's a lot of f- kids. That, are you you guys okay? That's are you good? So many. Half of the I think maybe half of it might be like some of them might be adopted because George has like picked them up from like smoldering villages or something due to his past. Like he probably just collected them on his way to finding this library yeah probably like oh find another one you're my son now yeah you're my son now well welcome to the family you're gonna learn to love books <laughs> and then and then they did uh, they did let's talk a little bit about this library um because it's really weird it's a really weird place in the world yeah so like at the at the beginning episode like adora and uh glimmer kind of share like a moment where they're like have you ever heard of library in the whispering woods and they're like absolutely not what and yeah like it's it's weird that just in the middle of the whispering woods there's a gigantic library like archive of first one's knowledge when like it seems that first one's knowledge is kind of at a premium like a lot of people just straight up aren't even aware 
of them or at least like aware of what they are like to a lot of the people um on etheria it's they're just kind of like ruins just generic ruins you know not a lot of thought has really been poured into like what they might be so it's it's just it's a little strange how like they're just kind of in the middle of the woods and they have like all of this collected knowledge and everything and presumably they go out and collect all this stuff right but there's probably not a very big like academic community to share all of this with and and his dad's presumably don't get out that much considering that Bo just basically made up a gigantic academy that doesn't exist and they just have never questioned it it's it's just the setup is a little weird yeah it's like they um clearly we we know that george doesn't like the rebellion and so he would not be uh he would not really go out and share this stuff with them we don't really know much about the wider scholarly sphere of etheria we know that there are at least 12 other historians out there because all of those brothers are but maybe they like study something else maybe they're very like maybe they don't study the first ones i don't know what else you study on etheria if you're a historian but there's probably something out there and the other thing is that there's not really any sort of planet-wide transportation or communication system that we know of the uh we we know that bo's tracker pad has like messaging capabilities and stuff but that seems to be about it and also he built that presumably like the horde has most of that capability most of the travel it's probably very perilous to travel due to that um because they have all those boats and tanks and stuff so i would say that it is isolation both on purpose and just sort of by uh by circumstance that this place just never really uh comes up at all or no one really knows about it yeah yeah and as far as like as far as the communications go like something that you know i i was kind of thinking about a little bit here is that like other than the horde and drill specifically there are really no like societies that have technology on etheria that we see everybody else is kind of in like a feudal or like agrarian society there's not a lot of like actual like tech sitting around so like you know obviously entrapta is gonna have video communications and Bo is gonna have video communications but with the exception of those two there's really nobody else other than the Horde on the whole planet who, like, even would understand how to, like, use that stuff, let alone, like, build it. So I imagine most of their communication is probably, like, courier service, like, on horseback. Yeah, or, like, pigeons or some kind of magical construct thing. Like, they have magic, but it's not as advanced as technology. And it seems a lot more finicky. Like, there's no magical communication spells or anything like that that we ever really see. Yeah, there's no magical communication spells. And the only person we're aware of that has teleportation is Glimmer. And she has, like, a pretty limited range. Like, she she seems to only be able to go, like, you know, a few meters. Not, like maybe like a couple dozen meters but certainly not anywhere like out of eyesight right um she can probably just sort of bunny hop teleport if she had enough charges but she doesn't really seem to be able to do that very often yeah so before we end on the horde stuff in this episode let's talk about the first one's lore we kind of get here at the very end after the bug has been dealt with of course they fight a big bug that's all the first ones do is make bugs. We've covered this. Yeah. You really think that Lance and George would have learned about the the first one's thing for gigantic mechanical death bugs by now, but uh, I guess that wasn't in all of the, you know, city planning documents that have been uh, survived. I just love to make bugs. That's all they do. Um, but we, uh, I think, did we know... I don't think we knew that the first one's um, language was based on constellations, did we? 
No, that's that's where this is this is revealed, right? Um, like their their language is is um, based on constellations, and they use the stars to navigate um, and whatnot. Um, they have like this. Uh, oh, what are they called? It's like a project Sol- solarium. Solarium. No, that's. That's it's not, not right. a planet. It's not really a planetarium. Planet. It's not really though. It's like a projection. It's like a. I guess it's kind of a planetarium. It's more like it's. I think it's a planetarium. Yeah. But it's more star focused. They basically say, "All right, so these are all constellations, and this one is Serenia, which is like a, you know they named a constellation after this mythic folk hero, and it only appeared over uh, a certain area of of the planet in the sky." Which happens to be in some kind of horrible wasteland called the Crimson Wastes. Yeah, it sounds like a really inviting place to go and bring the whole family, frankly. Which we saw that ship activate in the middle of the desert at the end of um, Signals, I believe. So that's probably where they're heading. Yeah, it'd be a fair bet, I think. But let's get to Catra's stuff. The Horde stuff is very light in this episode. Um, It's like literally three scenes that are all about, I don't know, two minutes long, two or three minutes, if that. Mm. I mean, the thing is, light light on time, quite heavy on content. Yeah, so Catra is freaking out after Shadow Weaver left. She is in full paranoia mode. She has not told anyone that she escaped she says that she put shadow weaver in solitary and that's why her cell is empty yes so she ends up tasking the uh the cadet squad and scorpia with basically turning the entire fright zone upside down and looking for quote anything suspicious yeah um to which they only need to they can only report to catra when they find it and they need to report suspicious activity uh the second they see it um she doesn't specify what any of that means no um uh. <laughs> she's someone asks and is like no it's not about shadow weaver's cell being empty i know exactly where she is she's in solitary now get going and of course scorpia can tell that something's not right here that she's keeping something from everybody uh which is why she comes into catcher's quarters while uh catcher's like doing some paperwork or something and wraps her up in a little perito. Yes, she Catra goes blanky mode, and uh, she is much like a cat, very much uh, struggling and very upset about it. Um, until she just relents and she makes just she makes a really good face and um we sh- i i want to i want to actually include that screen cap in the, in the in the tweet when we put this up because it's amazing oh yeah we're definitely um, we're, we're putting that as the it might even be the episode art who knows it might be our new yay. it might be our new avatar honestly oh it should be actually oh that'd be really good always listen always love getting a new catcher avatar we're always looking out for the good catcher faces of which there are many of which there are so many so so many yeah but she basically confides in scorpia i lost shadow weaver um which is very shocking to scorpia but there's this very tender scene where scorpia's like all right listen we're gonna fix this together just you and me no one else has to know um with like a hand on catcher's shoulder it's actually quite nice yeah, it's an incredibly touching scene, and it, like, shows Catra, like, it kind of teaches her this this very specific lesson that it's, like, you know, she doesn't have to do absolutely everything by herself, and Scorpia is here to help her. Scorpia is here um, as her friend, as her colleague, um, and someone who will support her um, in her hour of, of need, and that, you know, she's not entirely alone, and I think Catra really, really takes that to heart and feels that and i'm sure that that like those emotions are going to definitely like be coming up more uh, in the next few episodes uh but unfortunately for her she gets immediately uh, punished for learning this lesson because guess what hordak's little narc baby is in the vents yeah as it turns out when you scream very loudly that you lost shadow weaver one of the many tiny babies that live in the ventilation system are going to show up. Now, there's only one. There's only one imp, but he's very prolific. He's he's a, he's such a little stinker that he'll he'll listen in on anything. That's why he hangs out in the vents because the sound carries, obviously. 
Yeah. This is... They need to clean those vents out. They should probably you need, you put, get... like, some kind of mousetrap or something up there. <laughs> Just, like, keep him away. But he goes back to Hordak, who's very interested to hear what his little, his, his little spy son has to say. Um, and Hordak calls Catra to his office and uh, says, so, you know, what's, uh, what's up with Shadow Weaver? How are we doing? Um, and Catra hesitates, but eventually but she says, oh, it's all good. She's in solitary. I'm learning a lot from her. And Hordak says, hmm, fascinating. It's time for the suffocation. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. <laughs> time for the suffocation rhombus. I gave you a test. You failed. Um, yeah, and, and Katra is having a really, really abominably bad time about it uh, because, of course, she suffocates, well, presumably to death. Hopefully not. Like, she she blacks out at the very least. Um, and, like, yeah, the, the kind of the only thing that makes this episode a finale is the fact that it ends on a cliffhanger for both of our protagonists. What with Catra being suffocated, and uh, the the end end of the episode, which is Shadow Weaver showing up in Adora's room, complete with like the Psycho Stinger, kind of like very lightly in the background. Yeah, it's got like a uh, like a slasher movie vibe to it. It's really weird. Like it it very much justifies the setup of Adora keeping a knife under her pillow. Like, yeah, she's correct to do that now. When, if Shadow Weaver can just pop up there, yeah, I'd probably shank her too. She's yeah, frightening. Like, God, she's, she's scary. She's very scary. Um, but yeah, with that, that concludes, uh, the recap of the episode. I, I, I quite like this one. I think this is one of my, one of my favorites. It's certainly, I think, the standout of season two, along with Light Spinner. It's so much fun, and it has a lot of heart to it, and we meet some great characters. Um, it's just in a weird place because of the kind of forced season break here, due to Netflix's weirdness about, like, we said five seasons, so even though you're technically only making four, we're going to split one up. Um, yeah, we'll... like, I don't think this episode would have had, like, the strong cliffhangers it does if it weren't for the fact that Netflix kind of told them they had to. Yeah, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to season three. Um, and before we get to the questions... Just a slight bit of housekeeping. Um, we're going on a week break after this episode goes up. You know, it's, a, it's the season break, and there's some stuff going on that we, we both need to kind of take care of. So we'll just... Next week, we're off, but we'll be back uh, the week of uh, the 31st to... Ooh, the next episode's going up on Halloween. Oh, that's so fun. I didn't even think about that. Which is kind of a shame, because it's... It's not really a scary episode at all. Uh, I guess it is a Shadow Weaver episode, but she's not really spooky in it. No, sadly. Uh, but we'll 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 do we'll do some kind of some kind of Halloween themed lead in or something. I'm sure. I know every I know the scheduling's been a little weird, but don't worry that'll all that'll all be cleared up right as rain pretty shortly. Yeah, yeah. It's uh the, the the weird the weird scheduling is 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 coming to a close, which is uh which is quite good. So, uh we've got one question. We've got some emails, but we're going to like we always say we're going to save these emails for the end of season wrap up, which is going to be after season 3. We're getting some great emails by the way. Uh thank you to Sean Montgomery and Michael Steiner for just sort of checking in after every episode and sending us some really cool stuff. Uh, we'll have plenty of things to talk about in this season wrap up, but we only have one. Yeah, we only have one question this time. Well, technically two, but it's one. Um, an anonymous curious catcher user asks, "Who did that tat? Was it Entrapta?" I mean, probably right. I'm. Oh man, I'm imagining how many tattoos Entrapta can do with all those hair tendrils. That's so many tattoos so many tattoos she could do she do like five tattoos at once like 
it's do you think she's a good tattoo artist do you think she's got a, a really impressive portfolio I feel like I I feel like she would probably be a pretty decent tattoo artist. Like I feel like she would do a lot of like designs like that, right? That are like first ones writing or like just like lines and geometric shapes. Like I don't I don't think of her necessarily as like like a capital A like artist type who's going to like draw like a really like amazing like tattoo or like a scene on somebody but i feel like she'd do some pretty good geometric stuff absolutely um yeah it was probably entrapta or maybe it was lance who knows uh there's not a whole lot of people who know about first one's writing so those are kind of the only options unless one of their sons is into tattooing i guess yeah, it's possible. Though the idea of it being Entrapta actually adds another layer to this, where Entrapta can definitely read some first one's writing too, because she like uses their coding system. So like I'm I'm wondering, did she So George George brings her the like a presumably like the piece of paper or parchment or whatever that has like this this word lunch on it and he's like yeah i want i want this on my arm i really want this on my arm and entrapta just has to kind of process it for a moment and she's just like oh, okay like i i don't think she would question it i think that she would think that that is she wouldn't even think that it would be weird but she would have to stop for a second and figure out why he wants lunch on his arm. Right. I think the only issue with it is I don't know how comfortable Entrapta is with working on humans as she is on robots. She seems like the kind of person who maybe gets a little bit weirded out by needles and such. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Who knows? Maybe she, maybe she like, used... Maybe she didn't use a tattooing gun or whatever, and she just used like oh god, like a, like a like a TIG welder. Oh or no, that's so bad. I mean, I don't think we ever see Entrapta outside of that um, that those overalls. So maybe she just has extremely sick sleeve tattoos under all that. Maybe oh, that would be pretty sick actually. Like self self done sleeves that are like covered in like cool geometry designs like that'd be pretty sick this is my new head canon entrapta has six sleeve tats that she did herself and also did one for george um i'll do it for questions this week a lighter episode with some light questions um but that's not the end of our of our of our little segment here because we got to talk about the patreon some exciting news about the patreon um the, the, the stretch goal math is kind of weird because it only calculates, it seems to only calculate patrons who have already been charged. But, you know, I do, I do the real math. I do the, the, the human math in my head. And I see we have, uh, we have 11 uh, Force Captain patrons, which means we've hit our first stretch goal. Yes, yes, we have, which means coming up um, that that week that we're back, we're going to be putting out a like fan content roundup, kind of. It'll be in a sort of uh, video podcast form because there is some visual components. You know, we're we'll putting up fan art. We'll be we putting up uh, AMVs. I'll go trawling for some good fanfics to recommend. It's been a while since I dug into the content mines over there. Um, I used to read a lot of fanfic on my lunch break and such, but uh, since most of my stories that I was following stopped updating or finished, I've kind of fallen off. But I'll, I'll get back in there. I'll, I'll, I'll roll up my sleeves and see what I can find over there to bring to the table. Yeah, once a month we're going to be uh, putting one of those together for our, our lovely uh, $3 patrons. Yeah, it'll probably be like a short and sweet kind of thing, but like we'll 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 make sure there's like there there's a lot of good stuff in there. And um as far as other stuff on our Patreon, um we do have other stretch goals that we're trying to get to. Um what's the next one again? The next one is at sixty dollars and uh that one's gonna be the monthly uh old school Shira riff for a sinkable commentary track where we just kinda crack jokes and fool around talking over 
uh, the old She-Ra show because um, there's a there's a, lots of weird things that happen in that old show because it was an 80s cartoon and uh, everyone in California in the 80s was just doing quite a lot of drugs, probably. Oh, probably. So, yeah, uh, once we get to that, that'll be a lot of fun to do. I was thinking maybe we could do a special Christmas one where we, we, uh, we riff over that He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special. The one where Skeletor goes, I am not nice. Oh my god, yeah, we should. That that would be really good. Yeah, that's the next one we're working towards. But uh, for now, I'd like to shout out our, our $3 patrons. Thank you so much. Brittany Ray, Michael Steinert, Tara Stark, TCO, Murderbot, Brendan Fitzgerald, David, Emma Grossman, Robert Harris, D the Shadow, and Danielle DuPont. Yeah, thank you guys very much. The support is extremely appreciated. Uh, But with that, I think that'll finish our non-spoilery talk. So for those of you who will uh, be not be joining us, just as a reminder, you can find us over at Podcast of Power on Twitter, where we we post question posts and such. You can send us, you know, replies and questions over there or our curious cat. Uh, You can find us over at podofpower at gmail.com. If you have any uh, juicy emails to send us, we love getting the emails. Please keep sending them in. Um, then we got a Tumblr. That would be potofpower.tumblr.com. Not really a whole lot going on over there right now, but uh, if you want to follow us over there as well, you can. Uh, but yeah, I think that'll be it for the housekeeping. So uh, if you're staying around for the, uh, the spoiler zone, we'll see you on the other side. There's, there's not an enormous amount of stuff to talk about, I think, on the spoiler side of things for this one. Um, there are a couple of uh, of things that, that we wanted to touch, though. though the first thing, um, I did forget to kind of talk about this in the other half of the episode, but like it's not leaving my mind, and I want to make sure that I, that I, I talk about it, is that um, George's outfit... Right. Right. George's outfit is like extremely original like shira series bow like almost like tit for tat right like the mustache everything um and he talks about having been like a soldier in the previous rebellion and i think the implication is basically that he was the original bow which is really really funny yeah like it's 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 a it's a more subtle meta joke than the ones we found over in uh roll with it yeah, I forgot to talk about that as well, but it's definitely one that sticks out. Like he he really is just Bo. Um same hair, same mustache, same stupid heart shirt. Um just with like a good character design instead of a bad one. Yeah. The only the only catch is I think in the episode where they go back to the library to try and find Bo's dads after they think like uh horde prime has like found them or whatever they are trying to like defend themselves in this um i think in the it it was like in the beacon right i believe it is it's not the beacon i think it's the cave from the second episode if i'm not mistaken right right yeah so they're they're in there and they have uh the uh a bow that looks shockingly like bow's bow and um they miss really bad and also like let the arrow off when they weren't intending to and i think that might have been george no i think that was lance i'm pretty sure it was lance who fired the bow actually okay okay it was probably lance because i was i was gonna say it'd be really funny if like he was original bow but like he didn't know how to use a bow (laughs) yeah it's it's interesting when we get these little ties to the first princess alliance because it's a part of the story that's never really expanded on and it's an interesting sort of perspective for a character to have in this war where it's like i know this has been going on for a very long time and we have so we have had so many failed fronts like i just don't want to be any part of it anymore 
Yeah, and frankly, it's a pretty understandable thing considering, like, how miserably bad the First Alliance seems to have broke. Like, we really only get tiny glimpses of it, but it seems to have been just miserable at the end there yeah like a lot of people died like a lot of people died including king micah though of course we learn later that he is still alive uh of course of course speaking of wars let's talk a bit a little bit about serenia so i don't know if this name is like important to old shira i don't know if it's like a, another another deep pull but serenia never really comes up again until like the very end of the show um much like bo's dads actually because they 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 vanish until the uh the ninth episode i believe where the aforementioned encounter with the bow and arrow happens yeah so they end up like they end up in that cave and they find the uh like like version 1.0 light hope operating system that was down there who didn't really seem very helpful or sentient or capable of answering questions and of course they figure out that it's been like specifically hacked by the original rebellion uh the first one's rebellion to like really only respond to the passphrase uh friends of mara by the way like friends of mara we'll get there in a minute but i just want to uh to point out that that is very clearly a friends of dorothy poll um oh yeah big time if you don't know uh, i believe friends of dorothy was like code used by lesbians in the army back when you could not openly serve to like let one another know oh is your, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a friend of dorothy you know i believe that's where that's from yeah it was it was used by by lesbians and gay men i believe yeah. and i'm not entirely sure it was confined specifically to the u.s army i think it may have just been a general thing if i'm remembering correctly i think but it like, yeah, it was... started during world war ii and it kind of germinated out from there yeah that sounds right to me that sounds right so obviously a pull from that by the 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 quite uh quite gay sort of showrunner crew here um mm-hmm. so yeah serenia turns out to be the leader of rebel squadron grayskull which I love that reveal at the very end there of what Grayskull actually means. Because obviously you would think that um, Grayskull, as in the original cartoon, is some kind of place. Like it's a magical place on uh, Eternia, which I assume is where the first ones are originally from, even in this Mm. universe. But uh, no, it's, uh, you know, Grayskull is, is this rebel fighting force from ancient times that were trying to take down the the fascist first one government yeah it it ends up being really really cool like you know for the honor of grayskull being a phrase that's you know like you're fighting for the honor of this group of incredibly brave people who sacrificed everything to try and like to try and make the world better at some point like they they sacrificed everything to give people in the future a chance at winning and like it ended like it ends up being kind of a really strong like sentiment like you you hear you know for the honor of grayskull throughout the whole show and it doesn't really mean anything um until that bit and then it kind of feels like there's this there's this through line of like shared struggle and it's it's really cool like it's it's a really cool and i think quite powerful moment and similar to that um so bo's dads are just like mia for the rest of the show until that episode where bo kind of gets annoyed at them like oh you're just hiding out here you don't even know what's going on but they're like no no no, we do we do we actually came here for a reason they're the ones who crack the whole thing wide open they're the ones who figure out that the failsafe exists literally everything would have been doomed if bo's dads weren't out there doing their thing yeah exactly like like they figure out through researching the like the the proto the proto ai down there exactly like what you know who was serenia and you know where where's the fail safe at it's it ends up being mysticor which at the time was fortress 
Avalon or something, right? Yeah, I believe so. Like it, it is the uh, it, Mysticor is built on the ruins of an old first one's military post, and also during that time, currently it was being controlled by the uh, the chipped King Micah, who is quite an end boss, quite a uh, quite a threat there. Oh yeah, but we'll we'll get to we'll get to dark micah later uh he's he is scary and powerful and very mean to glimmer he's so mean he is like horde prime really knows where where it'll hurt the most with the words that's for sure yeah he's very he's a very practiced hand at um at that sort of thing but yeah, it's it's interesting. It's so cool that like this episode, which ultimately doesn't really have a whole lot of other connective tissue to the rest of the show, ends up being very important, and the characters and concepts it introduces really coming in at the end, at the very end, like literally four episodes until the end of the show. Yeah, and it ends up. I I think it like ties a nice bow yeah. on it. Yeah. It, it does. It, does. It, it it ties a nice bow on it, right? It's like it's a nice like it's a nice callback. It's like it brings him back into the show for a minute, because you know, again, the show is like really careful with how much time it dedicates to its supporting cast, which is a strength of it, I think, rather than a weakness. Um, but like they do tend to make sure that if someone is given screen time that they get a call back later even if it's like a really brief cameo like they do come back and and you see this with with most of like the the side cast um at some point especially in the last few episodes of the last season like um the uh the star siblings make a cameo appearance at the end um you know Bo's dads do i think those those like deer people from that one town, like the goat and deer people, they make like a little appearance at the end. Well, yeah, everybody, everybody gets a cameo there, like Hantara, Double Trouble, everyone who's kind of had to take the back seat due to the way season five is. Uh, the Horde Cadets, like everyone gets their moment in the uh, to like shine and to to sort of reinforce the 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 togetherness that they're trying to forge uh, on Etheria at the end of that. Yeah, it's kind of a victory lap situation a little bit. Like, everyone gets a moment. I love Double Trouble's final moment, by the way. Like, that that works out so well. But, but yeah, they all kind of get that, like, last, like, little hurrah. Even if, like, they weren't, like, exceedingly important characters, they're treated in the last few episodes kind of more... They're treated as important and just as important as, like, the main cast in a lot of ways. And I... Again, I think that's really good. I think that it's a it's a big strength of the show that it's like they have this massive supporting cast that doesn't necessarily get to have a ton of screen time, but the screen time they do get is like pretty much entirely with probably some exceptions that I can't think of right now, but generally like the time is used really wisely. I think a lot about that uh, bottle episode with the cadet trio um, in season four. Like that is kind of that's probably the most screen time and lines they have over the course of the whole show, but it's all used really well, and that episode is really good because of it. Yeah, it's super characterful. Like you get a really good idea of you know Lonnie, Kyle, and Rogelio, and like their dynamic, and also who they are as people. Like Kyle gets a lot of really funny stuff about how he's just kind of an like a dork, but he's also like you know he's he's a dork and he's like not especially socially aware but at the same time he's also like kind of like a little bit cloying and conniving and he also has like a lot of pride also which is like it's interesting like it, it all kind of comes together in a way that paints an interesting picture i think for all of them so yeah, I think that'll probably about do it for this spoiler zone. Um, once again, next week we're off. Week after that, we'll be doing season three, and uh, the uh, the the November. I think the well that Sunday we'll probably let me check the schedule. Let me look at the calendar. Let me see the numbers. Uh, Let's pull up those numbers. Yeah, I guess next not not that week, but probably the next week we'll put up the the uh, the the first sort of fan work aggregate or whatever we're going to call this the the first week of november it'll be going up 
So um, look forward to that, and uh, hopefully look forward to all those other stretch stretch goals being completed as well. Hope, I'm really hoping for that for the honor uh, one to get filled up. I really really like that game a lot. Yeah, I'm I am super excited about that. Like that that'll be really fun. We're both big tabletop nerds, so any any excuse is is welcome. Yeah, but with that, uh, that'll be it for this week. I have been one of your hosts, Nero. And I've been the other host, Jane. And we'll see you on the other side of Podcast Bondos.